There are so many reasons why folks call us. You know, some are out of, well, more of a necessity, sometimes with a, a bit of urgency. Something's broken. They had a flood in their basement. It could be an estate situation. We need to get this house emptied out. We're moving, but we're not taking all this stuff. Maybe we're downsizing. That's got to go. To hoarding situations. Sure. Where there's uh, an intervention and someone's health is at stake or even the the possibility of eviction, that this just has to be done. And then, of course, the folks who are getting rid of some stuff just to make some more space, they realize, you know, you know what, Brian, you see this thing here? This was a wedding gift. I've, <laughs> I never took it out of the box. We were, we've been married 35 years. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the Kamari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified Kamari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. Today's guest is Brian Heiser of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. With Brian, we'll be discussing what to do with all those big, bulky discards that aren't going to fit in a, to a couple of bags or just not going to be donatable. Brian grew up in rural upstate New York. He holds two degrees in management and one in math and physics. Brian is a volunteer fireman on Long Island and was the director of operations for an electronics manufacturer for 15 years before starting the first 1-800-GOT-JUNK franchise in the New York area in 2002. Welcome, Brian. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Welcome, Brian. I'm so excited to talk to someone behind those big blue and green trucks that I've seen so much uh, <laughs> riding over. around, as well as uh, on the A&E Hoarder Show. So yeah, I'm familiar with you guys at that level, but I'd love to dig deeper and understand what happens to our stuff. So I guess we should start by asking you a little bit about your services that you provide and how you got started in the business of junk. Sure. Well, 1-800-GOT-JUNK is a, a full-service junk removal company. Now, by full-service, we mean all you have to do is point. So that's the only reason you need to lift a finger. So if you want to remove anything from your home or business, the yard, a shed, just point to it. We'll pick it up. We'll put it in bags. And we'll load it in our truck and we'll take it away. So you don't need to do any preparation. You don't need to bring anything outside. You don't need to bag stuff up. Point and we'll make it disappear. I love that. So simple. And I imagine if you're in the business of junk, you have something that drew you towards this particular type of specific service. So I'd love to understand a little bit more about kind of what your favorite parts of this work are and what sparks joy for you in the business of junk removal. Well, the word junk is really a relative term. And things that folks would like us to take away, to them are junk, but there's a, a saying that one man's junk is another man's treasure. Yeah, sure. We don't resell anything. We don't do anything to profit off of what we take. But a lot of what folks would like to have removed is still, in their term, usable. And a lot of it is pretty darn interesting. <laughs> That's been a fun part of doing this work. I started it in 2002. And some of the things that I've come across, I've never seen before. And I'll bring <laughs> things home. And it, because I see that someone is getting rid of something, whatever it might be, could be an antique tool. And I realize 
that this is not going to be useful. Maybe somebody else is going to collect it, probably for the same reason that the, the homeowner we just removed it from, they held on to it for years because it's just so darn interesting. But a lot of things, it's really going to be a one-way trip. It's going to be recycled. It's not something that can be donated. And I realized, boy, once this gets in our truck, it's really going to be eradicated. Nobody is going to see this really cool tool again. I've been careful not to collect these (laughs) these things, (laughs) as tempting as it can be. But I remember when my kids were very young, they were in second and third grade, and we did a job at someone's home, and they had been collecting newspapers, front pages, from some historical moments, the Kennedy assassination, the Nixon impeachment. And they also kept a newspaper, and the headline said that we landed on the moon from the first lunar landing. And I walked into the kitchen. My wife was in there, and my two young kids were at the kitchen table doing homework, and I walked in with the paper, and I said, did you see the paper? We landed on the moon. And my kids said, we did? <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. What's the oddest thing you've ever found in a home? It really ranges. It's rare that I see something that I haven't seen before, but there are only a few items that I've got to ask, what is this? <laughs> and, and one is, and I have to look up the date, but... It's an old medical device. And picture this. It's a wooden box, and you open up the lid. Well, it's got a little crank handle on it, and they're copper coils. So you can tell it's some sort of a, an electric device that you generate current by cranking the handle. But there are two wires that come off, and at the end of each wire is a metal tube. And I wound up doing some research online, and what you were supposed to do, and this is back in the late 1800s, was the patient would put their fingers in these metal tubes, and the doctor would crank this little electric motor and generate a current that went through the patient's body. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And it was supposed to cure just about everything. But we don't see those in doctor's offices anymore, so I don't know how well it worked. So you've actually run across that kind of thing. Oh, sure. Wow. It's so funny what you just said about being able to tell what something is, because I've been doing this long enough that I'll run across some random thing and the the client will have no idea what it is. And I can almost always identify it like, oh, this is a part of a lamp that was probably part of a sconce fixture. Or today I I had a, a client pull up a little remote control and I looked at it and I said, oh, this is a remote control for a uh, rotating photo frame. And it's like, how would I know this except that I keep running across it with clients? Yeah. Yeah, there was a, someone was holding on to a set. I think there were four. They looked like they were sconces that you would put on a wall. So you could see where a light bulb would be screwed in and the, the wiring was very, very old. But instead of a, a glass, kind of a, a seashell type of outer portion it was metal it was obviously opaque uh-huh and they were telling yeah this is some kind of a sconce but i can't figure out how it would work the metal part wasn't only coming halfway up it was making practically a full full turn so if you put it on a wall it would almost start at the wall and cover it up to the wall and then i did some research and i found out they were old like really old stage lights and there was a theater in their town that they weren't even aware of And they were only a block away from it. And these old stage lights came from that old abandoned theater that is now a hardware store. 
and they had no idea. I actually went back to the home for a follow-up appointment, and I told them, remember those sconces that weren't sconces? Those are stage lights from a theater at that hardware store. Interesting. So as Kanmai consultants, we are always running across discarding dilemmas. You know, a lot of times, and the most common objects are, and I, I'm really interested to know how many times a week you see treadmills and exercise bicycles. Yeah. <laughs> Those are such they're a problem, right? Because sometimes they're incredibly heavy and there's not much of a market for them. And when I have clients, you know, especially if they're getting ready to move soon or if they just have decided that they want it gone, they want it gone now. And to be honest, once I see some of that big exercise equipment, I almost know I'm going to be giving you a call. So I'm interested to know a little bit about, you know, what happens with some of these things that clients are, are giving to you? Because I know that I oftentimes have a hard time finding, you know, a good source of donating things. So when you guys come and take a truckload of just a variety of things, how do you know where they go? Or what are some of the directions that they end up in? Sure. Well, if we start with, well, the examples you gave me of treadmills and exercise bikes, I agree, they're very common. And most folks use them to hang clothes on. And then they realize, okay, I could probably do this, hang my clothes more efficiently. Let's get the treadmill. Let's get the exercise bike out. Yeah. There are a couple reasons why we're not able to donate them. One is that in the case of an exercise bike, there's just not that much of a market. And most of the locations where we donate, they're actually thrift stores. They're retailers. It's just logistically, whatever charity they're affiliated with, it's much easier to do good or do charitable work by writing a check. So they will sell whatever donations they get in, and then they can distribute funds more easily than sending somebody or having somebody come pick up a couch. Sure. In the case of a treadmill, and this starts off a, kind of a, a, a general category, for example, the old tube TVs. You know, we, we saw an influx. I remember the first time we took a flat screen TV. So, oh, boy. Now we're getting into, you know, people are starting to get rid of the flat screens where we're now everybody has a flat screen. We must have taken all the tube TVs off of Long Island, <laughs> but the tube TV still works. Can you donate it? And unfortunately, the answer is no. Same with the treadmill. Because these donation locations, St. Vincent de Paul is an example. Salvation Army is an example. Since they resell these things, they're retailers. They are responsible for whatever they sell being able to work functionally. So they have a general rule. Unfortunately, we cannot take anything that plugs in. So anything that plugs in, they won't take. So we do recycle it. So when you say recycle it, what exactly does that mean? Especially when it comes to things that are electronics, because we know that that's often a big, big dilemma for our clients. Right. We have a few different facilities where we empty our trucks. And it depends on what we're picking up. In, in the case of electronics, TVs, computers, one facility where we go, where we specifically bring that type of item to, they have a separate e-waste recycling process in a collection area. Uh -huh. A general household waste goes in another area, construction debris, which typically includes furniture, anything made of wood. 
will go in another area. Green waste goes in a separate area. So it, whatever we pick up, we do try to recycle. We try to donate it first. If it can't be donated, it's going to be recycled and it is taken off of our truck and put into separate areas for respective recycling. So about how much would you say ends up in the landfill? Because we all know that as as much as we would love for all of these things to end up in the hands of someone who's really been looking for them, the reality is, is that unfortunately, a lot of the things, there's just no place for them but the landfill. What would you say the percentage of things you see that are just not donatable or recyclable? Well, system-wide, the average that I'm hearing is about 60 to 75% diversion, meaning kept out of landfills. So anything that's metal, we will bring to a separate facility that obviously includes electronics. Most of the bulk that we take is some type of furniture. Mm -hmm. And that would be recycled with construction debris. Now, since it's more the rule than the exception that the loads that we are not able to donate will be mixed, but the greater portion will be the construction debris, it will have a little material that if the truckload was exclusively this other material, they would not have us put in with the construction material. Uh But because most of it is, everything that we have on the truck will go into in with the construction material for recycling. So when you say construction material, do you mean like, I guess I'm in envisioning that all this stuff gets ground up and turned into Ikea furniture. <laughs> is, that, is that what's happening to that? Something along those lines. Really? Yeah, there are building materials that are made from recycled construction materials. Sure. Wow, that's great. Actually, the percentage of things that you're keeping out of the landfill is much higher than I expected. So I'm very pleased to hear that. Well, most of the stuff that goes in landfills is going to be household waste. And there are municipalities... And a lot of municipalities will even take furniture. You know, if you're able to get it out to the curb, you make the phone call. And again, depending on the municipality, the the town will take it. But most of the stuff that goes in landfills is household waste. So that's really not our niche. Hmm. That's very interesting. And I also wanted to make sure to ask you about a trend that we've definitely noticed uh, and uh, social media has really latched onto this as well. And this whole idea that the Netflix tidying up show has really had such a broad impact that it's got so many people tidying at once that it's caused an influx in things being donated or things being taken by junk removal companies. And it's a little bit overwhelming for some of these businesses. So I've had the experience, for example, where I've had a client who really wanted to remove some books from her home and there's some local to Chicago organizations that will come and pick up these books and then make sure they're moved along, um, usually to donation centers. And unfortunately, they had a six-week backlog, I believe, because of just the interest. So we don't have any hardcore data or numbers around this, but I'd love uh, for you to share if you've noticed some sort of increase since the condo effect kind of took place. I think it definitely raised awareness that there is a solution. I think people become complacent. They see what they're surrounded by. They've 
been holding on to things for so long that they don't think of getting rid of it and they don't think of of the benefit of just freeing up their own living space. Mm-hmm. So it definitely raised awareness. And we do have plenty of folks when we go to their home or their business and they they tell us that they they watch the program and and they're they're pretty excited to have us there. They're looking forward to the the change in their environment. Yeah, I mean just like we impact our clients by helping them make decisions. You guys also have a life-changing impact because you carry that load, that next step, that action that's created by choosing joy and letting go. And so I imagine you might have some really cool client experience or favorite client experiences that you might want to share with us. Some stories around how the act of removing what's not wanted from a home has really changed someone's life. We see it very, very often. When I interview new truck team members, it's hard for them to understand. I tell them stories about going to people's homes and we ring the doorbell and they literally open the door and welcome us with open arms. Sure. They're so happy that they're going to be doing this. They're going to be freeing up the space. They're happy that we're here. We're very reputable they're comfortable with us coming. They're inviting us into their home. And our truck teams are, they understand that they're not only participating in this liberating experience, but they're facilitating it. And they see the appreciation on customers' faces and what they say, the way they act. And it's gratifying for everybody. The, the truck team members, I've got friends of mine through the business who used to work for me. And they worked for me 10 years ago, and they still tell me that's the best job I ever had. They just love the customers. And I've seen young truck team members, they've never experienced anything like this in their life. They think, okay, it's going to be a job. Okay, Brian told me what it's going to be like. You know, the people are nice, and this is what we're going to do. But they change. And I see the new truck team members a month later, and they just have more energy. They're excited to meet people. And it really brings even our truck team members out of their shell because they understand that they are participating in this often therapeutic exercise that our clients are asking us to help them with. Wow, that's such a great point because it is supposed to be a therapeutic process for our clients. And I think that that's one of the things that all of the KonMari consultants talk about a lot is just, uh, it's not just about getting rid of things. It's really about, you know, making some life-changing decisions. And my experience with you guys is that it would be nice to think that there's, you know, some of the companies that come around uh, for free to take things away would be able to do the kind of service that you do. But the reality has been for me lately that because there are so many people discarding things, that that a lot of those companies that maybe could come by next week now can't come by for two months. And you guys are pretty much available at least within the day, which makes a huge difference because another thing that we talk about with our clients a lot is this idea that they need to get the things out of their homes as soon as possible. They're not realizing that the new space that they've acquired until those things are actually out of their homes. So it really is a good thing to have available for clients. I find it very interesting line of work. I mean, you're helping us really manage consumption. And 
help people free themselves of things that they have now deemed as a burden or even characterizing as junk instead of possessions or beloved things. So, well, Karen and I definitely have had experience with this with our clients, like really helping people become better guardians of things after we've made these decisions or after we've let go of things via junk removal or other means. I'm curious in your line of work, what you've seen in terms of or advice that you may have for people who want to have less waste in the future and moving forward after they've taken charge of what's right in front of them? Well, what is pretty common when we go to someone's home, if it's not a situation where, well, that sofa's broken, that's got to go, or they're moving or in a state situation, they're just trying to get rid of some of the stuff that they've had for a long time. And they have a, a pretty good, sometimes a very specific idea of what they would like us to take. And once we've removed that, and this is where the the relativity of the, of the word junk comes into play, they kind of take a step back and they look at everything else they have. And junk could be like the bottom fraction of the things you own that you really don't use anymore or you really don't need. And they'll tell us, okay, you know what? I think I'm going to add this and I'm going to add that and that and that. And then we'll get that and they'll take a look and see what else they have. And they say, you know what? I'm going to add this too. Hmm. So I think once they start removing some of the waste that they have in their home, they put things in perspective and say, you know what? I'm probably not going to use that again either. Why don't you take that? This yeah. is so interesting that you've identified that because I have noticed that usually the hardest thing to put in the donation bag is the first thing. After that, it's like once someone kind of gets into the rhythm of really, do I need this? Is this really something that's adding to my life? It gets a little easier. So giving them kind of the venue to make those decisions by, all right, so the truck is here. So now is your opportunity to get rid of some of these things. I think that that's really interesting. Absolutely. Once people get the courage and that starts the ball rolling and it goes from getting yourself back into the gym, one of those moments, like I finally got up the courage <laughs> and the energy to eating potato chips. You can't stop with one and you just keep going and going and going. And, and folks say, oh, this is great. Yeah. It's amazing how, I guess, from two different directions, both of our services really get people to a place where they're not calling their things junk anymore or yeah. they don't have any left. <laughs> so I love that. I love how the two waves here are connected and we both see the power of people really confronting their things, whether it be to hand it to someone who's more equipped and physically capable of letting it go or to hand it to a donation center or to even sell it. Um, there's just so many directions we can take these things that we're discarding and there's no one right answer. It's unique for every client, I imagine. It is. There are so many reasons why folks call us. You know, some are out of, well, more of a necessity, sometimes with a, a bit of urgency. Something's broken. They had a flood in their basement. It could be an estate situation. We need to get this house emptied out. We're moving, but we're not taking all this stuff. Maybe we're downsizing. That's got to go to hoarding situations. Sure where there's uh, an intervention and someone's health is at stake or even the, the possibility of eviction, that this just has to be done. 
And then, of course, the folks who are getting rid of some stuff just to make some more space. They realize, you know, if Brian, you see this thing here? This was a wedding gift. I've, <laughs> I never took it out of the box. We're, we've been married 35 years. <laughs> That's so funny. So I'm curious, has this kind of work changed your own relationship with things and purchasing things? Because I know that it certainly has for me. Well, I think I've always been a minimalist. And in my previous life working in an office, our company grew and I started out working out of a cubicle, you know, a small space, but I had everything I needed right around me. Then we built a larger facility and I had a, a big, beautiful office, big windows, big desk and counters all over. And then I looked around, I realized, holy cow, you know what? I've got all this room to save stuff that I may need. And I was piling papers and files and books. And the more room I had to store stuff, the more stuff I stored. <laughs> and then I started a system where I would put things on particular piles chronologically. And then I'd be able to look at the stuff on the very bottom. And I could look at the date and say, okay, I haven't touched that in a year. That's going to go. So I always had that tendency, but being in some homes where I could see the direction that saving and accumulating could go, mm -hmm. I became even more of a minimalist. It's not uncommon for people to want to see a little more room, but it can also be odd, especially when folks have been holding on to things for so long. And our truck teams have been telling our clients for years the phrase, embrace the space. Once we remove, it could be a single piece of furniture. It could be everything that was cluttering some shelves. And folks will step back and say, boy, that looks really weird not having that there or having that empty space. And we tell them, embrace the space. It's okay. You don't need to fill it. But again, we go into so many homes, especially some larger homes, that they've got tremendous basements and they, they use it to just store stuff with. Yeah. Yep, we run into that a lot. Then space is definitely a vacuum. Well, so Brian, we have to ask, what is your favorite tidying tip? I have to say my favorite tidying tip would be to start right away. Start with small stuff. Try to break the habit of saving. Start with the small stuff. Just the things that may be around the, the spaces that you use all the time. You know, in a kitchen. It could be just kitchen utensils. How many wooden spoons do you have? You start with the small things. How much Tupperware? We actually did a, we were on Netflix. Uh, we did an episode of Hoarders. Uh-huh. And what the therapists had the homeowners do, in the backyard, we spread tarps. And we just started in the kitchen. And they had us bring things out. Now, they asked the homeowner, okay, let us know. Do you want to keep this? Or do you want to put it right in the truck? Or are you going to donate it? And anything that wasn't going directly into the truck, we brought it out and we put it on a tarp in the backyard and we categorize it. So we wound up having a tremendous pile of Tupperware and we had stacks and stacks of cookbooks and all these different utensils and kitchen appliances that they had multiple of. And after we had all these things out of the house, they brought the home owner out and showed her, look at all this Tupperware. <sighs> look at all these cookbooks. Do you really need all this stuff? And, you know, it was still tough because it, it wasn't just a saver. You know, the, it was a 
clinical hoarder. Sure. It, it was tough to still get rid of that stuff, but you don't realize how much stuff you accumulate and how little you really need. If you've got 10 wooden spoons, you're probably going to use two of them. Get rid of the other ones and start with that. And you start clearing a certain space and then it can move to other areas of the home. But the first step is you just need to start somewhere. And again, that's what I'm really happy about with our business is that you can just make a phone call and have us come over and just see how easy it is, how quick it is, just within an hour, just how much stuff you could be liberated from. But it really starts with, start with the small stuff. Sure. Well, that's great because in Kanmari, we are all about sorting by categories. And you just described what we refer to as the miscellaneous or kimono categories, which are generally all the household things. And, and we do that very same thing. We pile them all up into one big group. And then it's so much easier to determine what you really need and what is really working for you. So that is a, a great approach. Brian, we ask all of our guests, what is sparking the most joy for you at this point in your life? Well, the family is always going to be number one, but being a business owner, that takes a, a tremendous portion of my everyday life. The way people feel after we've helped them liberate themselves from all this excess stuff. Yeah. You guys are really like one call away from freedom. That's amazing what you do. And we're so glad that you're taking care of the discard side and we're taking care of the joy side. And with that, we'd love for you to share any parting words of wisdom for our listeners. Well, we always recommend when we go to someone's home and when they ask us, listen, we just like to come out, give us an estimate. We're not sure we're ready to do this. We always tell folks, start small, but start now. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Brian, for joining us today and demystifying what happens when we let go of our junk, which we will lovingly call our valuable possessions. Well, thank you. It was fun chatting. Thanks, Brian. If you're interested in learning more about the services of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, you can contact them at 1-800-GOT-JUNK.com or by simply calling 1-800-GOT-JUNK. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning, tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life. Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and review the show, which helps us to reach others along their tidying journeys. To extend your tidying experience, you can join the Spark Joy Club. Visit sparkjoypodcast.com and click join the club to become a member of the Spark Joy community, or you can join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your host, Kristen Ivy of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast, is not endorsed by or affiliated with Kamari Media Inc. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of Kamari Media Inc. or the Kamari Consultant Community.